dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real. What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? This can't be what? Be real? Again, ladies and gents, welcome back to the AJ Roberts Show. Today, we are very, very lucky to have the one and only Tom Outhouse. Many of you may be asking yourself, like, who's Tom Outhouse? Because Tom's actually been working in the shadows, really, trying to get justice uh, for the very movie that he wrote that should be the very blockbuster you see today, which you know as The Matrix. The Matrix, however, wasn't originally The Matrix, it was called The Immortals, written by Tom Houthouse himself. So I've invited uh, Tom on to the show today to get his story out there. Uh, he's working tirelessly to uh, expose the, the, the truth behind the, the script, how it was stolen, how it's now ended up on your screens is what you see as The Matrix. Um, so we want to unpack all that today so you can get a real understanding of what the original was all about and its intentions. Tom, welcome to the AJ Roberts Show. It's an absolute pleasure. My pleasure too, AJ. I'm really thrilled to be here with you. Amazing. It's uh, I've, I've been really, really looking forward to uh, having you on the show because the, the actual movie Matrix has always been one of my actual favourite movies. You know, everything it's all about, and you can, you kind of it sets your imagination off in loads of different directions. You know, even if you watch it like this day, like a replay, you go, you always imagine, oh, I wonder if people could do this, 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 and this. Um, but now with everything that's been uncovered in the last two and a half, sort of three years of what's been going on with the whole, you know, pandemic situation and the, the involvement, you know, of deep state and cabal members. And it's now very much coming to light to a lot of people, you know, what's been going on. You can clearly see that, like, you know, there's so many um, messages in that, that movie, The Matrix. But the original, what you wrote, um, is full of far, far more messages. Um, so if you don't mind for the benefit of the audience, just giving a bit of an overview of like, you know, the original title when you wrote it, when it was planned to come out, etc. Absolutely. I'll just hold it up real quickly. Just again, um, this is the original work. This was the one that was used on set. It's bolted and gold sealed. The copyright director and specialist uh, was the one that sent this to me. Amazing. You can see 128 pages here mm. and they're tabbed with all the matchups. And if you look at the bottom, you'll see the date that this uh, rendering was uh, registered was December uh, 1998. So this was, was used on set in 1999 to make the Matrix. It has the train station scene. It has the squiddies, little girl at the train station. It's got the liquid mirrors, uses security devices at the train station. It's got the red pill, blue pill. It's got identical figures at the end. It's got the underground Zion, the architect, the Oracle, everything. Everything's in there. Wow. And yeah, so I was trying to whisper through art. And basically this project started in 1988. I was with Pat Robertson's organization as a grad student. He was elevating me through the ranks to be the face of the Christian coalition while he's running for president in 1988. Wow. It all hit the fan when a certain activities in Robertson's group came my way. I was taken alone on a trip in a motorhome to DC and Washington DC. And that was with one of his professors who spilled the beans. There was a sex ring. And believe it or not, 
that's what perpetuates our story. Yeah. We have a situation where then I was interrogated, you know, what did he tell you? What did you know? And he shared, they went all the way to Pat Robertson. So suddenly it all is being pulled, the whole rug, everything, the shebang. So I whisper through art. So incidentally, the first scene shot in Matrix is the interrogation scene. The first scene I wrote was the interrogation scene because I experienced personally what was happening. So yeah. When you say the interrogation also, scene, do you mean when um, Neo has been sort of captured by the, the agents? That's right. And they put the plan into him, the bug. Mm. The bugging device is actually planted in the original work also, but it's not mm -hmm. a body of creepy Carly. They blow everything up. They make it all bigger. Mine was just simply a mole attachment to the back of the neck precursor to the jack. Okay. And so that's in there. And also keep in mind, uh, AJ, um, what they did was in that interrogation scene, the first scene they shot, they also put the first graphic in, which included my high school, my birthday, my dad's name, my name, our Scottish clan name. That's why Thomas A. Anderson, John Anderson, my dad's name, Central West High. So you got Central West High in that first graphic. And let's take a look real quick. Well, here's my diploma from Central West High. So wow. that becomes inserted in that first graphic also. So I think people get the sense of, okay, something's here. Now they're gonna scream all lies BS. That's what they say in this country, but not so. And they'll say he lost his case. Well, they planned their own attorney, their own judge and everything. They made sure we never saw the light of day. In fact, they had it thrown by an attorney who had a suspended license and that for, therefore ran out the statutes with a suspended license and then filed it after it was too late. So they could get all the access to the screenplays, all the access to information, and then say, well, he, you know, he lost. Wow. So that's that. But yeah, so there's all kinds of things in there. And I look forward to discussing some of these elements that are lifted by the Wachowskis, because mm. that's how they do it. They, they made a visual storyboard, 600 page long storyboard. They lifted every image they thought was cool, all these different tabs out of the original work, including, you know, Jackson Neck, Liquid Mirrors, like I said, the underground, all that. All they're being lifted out of this, robot-like agents. And what they're doing is they make that visual storyboard, have this in one hand on set, the storyboard in the other, and make it up as they go along. Mm. The actual script was not written until after they shot using those two elements. Yeah. That's how they did it. So um, in regards to all of those um, watching and listening who've obviously seen the movie and understand the messaging compared to like what we're seeing at the moment in the last few years in terms of not everything's quite what you've seen. A lot of it's to do with your consciousness. You know, you talk about there's people that go, oh, yeah, I was red-pilled ages ago. Like, I know exactly what's going on. And, you know, it's kind of like part of the lingo now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, when, in fact, it actually should be the other way around. Uh, <laughs> however, the... Um, there's so many things in the movies which we're, we're seeing now, you know, like, like I mentioned, things aren't quite the same. They, they talk about human harvesting. They talk about um, uh, even things like, did you see the lady in the red dress? And it's just a classic NLP tool, which is used in newspapers all the time, especially here in the UK. You know, there's so many examples of it. Um, what, what, what from your original script is similar to that? Because I, I, my understanding is, is that, the original script, like you're saying, was speaking through art about yes. what's been going on, which was your findings from the 80s. Um, what was the original script's real intention? Was it to expose all the stuff that you'd learned and seen within governments, deep state, cabal, et cetera, et cetera, the Illuminati? Um, 
to, to the world, basically, via the movie and, and art, as you say? Yes, uh, it's a great question, AJ. I was in a position where I was being groomed for top positions under Pat Robertson and the government. So what's happening is I made privy to certain sensitive information where I got to decide as much of us wrestle with, like you had to, what do I do with this? What shall I do with this? Do I come tell people what's going on? Will mm. people understand it? Or do I keep quiet and take the rewards and move up through the ranks and have a great life for my family? And I chose to expose what's going on because what I was told was so off the walls and off the charts that I wanted to whisper through art. And I'll tell you, I did not think anybody would get it, that the screenplay wouldn't go anywhere until after I was gone, long gone. I thought it was for future generations, I'd whisper through art because I was so under the gun. Instead, it took off because I was invited to pitch it to Bonaventura of Warner Brothers. So one of the things in this situation is a warning about what's being planned well, you've got everything where a one world society is being passed around like cookies mm -hmm. in these circles. And so I have a responsibility about that. So what I try to do, AJ, was in the original work, have a situation where our main character is not a computer hacker. Neo is not a computer hacker. Neo comes to you as a lower echelon CIA department head who knows things are happening. And his best friend, who he actually has to turn on to save his family, becomes underground, becomes the Morpheus. And so he comes up with that bootleg blue pill where our character's only offered the red. And like we said, the reason he's offered two pills in the stolen version, the Wachowskis are making it up on set as they go along with the imagery from the original screenplay and also from the storyboard. And so they mix in things they're familiar with. Well, why not? Alice in Wonderland, Eat Me, Drink Me becomes the place. And it rips the story apart with all these lifted throw-ins including the train man from ghost being inserted into the matrix story if you take the train man and throw it into my train man train station scene with a little girl there too and the family's pushing forward you have just disrupted that entire scene flow it doesn't mm. make sense anymore but they're drawing from what they're familiar with almost like jurassic park and the dna on the dinosaurs plugging in what they can to make the story flow and in fact joel silver says in 2003 on the set the very set before they watch the rushes, he says, he says, we hope we've used up the rest of the story and we hope it ties together. You would know if it was your script, mm. if it does, you wouldn't risk, you know, nobody risks millions of dollars on making something up unless you have something stolen you want to use. And the suits even said, we know we have something cool back in 95. We know we have something cool. We don't know what it is. Can you explain it to us? That's on an article in an article reporter witnessing it putting it into an article and the Wachowskis couldn't explain it so Joel Silver took over to explain it it's in the article and Joel Silver is quoted as saying basically Bob you have to understand it's robots in the program it's robots in the program no it's not robots in the program Joel Silver it's right in here robot like agents the stakes are higher when you have real people as the agents who are not allowed to show feelings or they're terminated while they're monitored from the room of monitors mm. So that's what it's supposed to be. Now, Joel Silver gets it right later after he has all my notes in a case he controlled. And then they, all the defendants announced their takes on it. Warner Brothers, the Wachowskis, Joel Silver all announced their takes on the work. And the take that Joel Silver announced as soon as the case was thrown in 2014 was oblivion. And we even have the article to show where they stopped work on the novel because their strategy in Hollywood 
is to claim original sources and create those original sources for the stolen work. So they were working on the Oblivion novel through Disney and they stopped working on it once the case was thrown and Disney held Oblivion for Jill Silver. Now what happened in Oblivion is Jill Silver made it robot-like agents. Right, okay, yeah, okay. And um, like from where, the way I see it with the current movie is mm -hmm. that like Neo suddenly learns and gains his like true level of like higher level of consciousness, which enables like him to see past the six senses and away from the matrix. And the the agents can't really get get him at that level, which is kind of like what we refer to in like modern day sort of thing. The, the dark can't attack us if we're so far across the light side in terms of higher level of consciousness. Is that, was that a similar sort of uh, message you were trying to portray in the original script? Well, it's a great question, AJ. They lifted, keep in mind, they lifted the work, the scenes they thought were cool, the imagery, and then just hodgepodge it together. And they said, mm. let audiences figure it out for themselves. So our Neo, to answer the question, good question, is that our Neo had to have extensive quick training by the underground and their doctors in order to learn to function with a Smith uh, enhancer, as I called it, the link. He had to have Smith's enhancer. And that's for, therefore, he's using Smith's memories and having to learn how to work with somebody else's memories while losing his own. Mm, okay. The Neuralink that I had all through this thing, which they now gave to Elon Musk, they're now mm. giving him that work. They just don't steal screenplay. They take the tech out of the screenplay. He doesn't understand what it means either, just like the Wachowskis don't understand the script. Yeah, but the yeah. Neuralink has good and bad ramifications. And what happens is he's told to think of a couple memories and try to hold on to them. And then they pull his, which is diseased by the architect, and they put in the Smith one, they adapt it to him. And he goes through some very serious rough training in three days, because that's when the Armageddon's coming. And so what happens is he has to train and Trinity helps him. That's why AJ, when they're going to the dome and yes, it's the dome and he's trying to use you know, his memories to do that, which is basically blinding him. And that's why Trinity is the Trinity characters along. Incidentally, they call her Trinity because I had three love interests in the program. So the Wachowskis called her Trinity. That's why they're called Trinity. Right. And it's always these answers that are supposed to be clever, but they're really juvenile. Mm. So she, he's helping her go to the help going to the dome while he's using the memories of the man who actually harmed his own family. And yes, in the original work, another thing stripped out was Neo had a daughter and a wife, and they are eliminated. The wife's eliminated by Berenger, the Smith agent. But Smith is used by the architect to bring Neo back and orientate him to this new world. Not allowed to take him out because the architect needs stimulation of the mind. And so that's why he has agents. And that leads to the balance of the equation. When we want to get to that, we can. But Neo is res wrestling with memories of Smith. I wrote in layers. There's a lot of layers of this. And so they lead to other layers to draw the audience mm. in and teach them to think in layers and feel in layers. Wow. And um, in the latest one that's come out, the latest Matrix movie, uh, is it Resurrections? Um, yeah. There's obviously, is it, the is it the architect is the main baddie guy in that? I will not watch it. It is such garbage. I will not watch <laughs> it. So many people have told me I will not pollute my mind with that garbage. from. Yeah, the, the only reason I was asking is because like at the end, um, again, based on what we're like going through right now, sort of Neo and Trinity come back to their like, conscious higher conscious selves both of them mm -hmm. are fully aware of what's going on because they'd lost it all and then because they then found love with each other like and love always wins the uh, the architect just dissolves and you can't compete with that so so that's the message i kind of got from that and i was like okay um, right. but then but then also 
you see loads of humans or at the time humans suddenly get their minds taken over and they start like becoming human minds as in m-i-n-e flying them out the window trying to attack them because they're being controlled and i was like that's like and they, they call it nanotechnology and i'm just like well well um, there you go <laughs> what they're doing is inserting what really happened in my life into the yeah. film keep in mind that first graphic has my high school my birthday my dad's name um you know what else is there it's like um oh july 22nd on top of the screen when you look at july 22nd on the top of the screen and i'll go to your point here hmm. july 22nd on top of the screen is pretty interesting because my records uh my records on me have my birthday as july 22nd in 1996 through 99 so in 1999 when they made that graphic they put july 22nd on the graphic with my high school and everything else then right. in 2003 aj they do this in animatrix seven two one before the 60s, 59. My birthday is July 2nd, 59. So, so they're literally they're trying to mock you all the time. Yeah, right. So therefore, they're going to stick everything to mock in Matrix 4. They don't care about making a good movie. They care about milking every money dime they can get before we come forward with the documentary and also take them to court on fraud. Is it more of a, a humiliation ritual to them than it is actually yes. making a big movie? Yeah, we're more clever than the original author. Mm. And that manifests in different ways for these uh, goons out there in Hollywood. Hmm. I mean, keep in mind, Mike Lang from Disney and his counterpart, well, it's double Mike Lang, uh, is the one that provides the honeypot wife to throw my case. He actually provides a honeypot wife. They're imitating Total Recall. They really do this in real life. They want to play with people's lives in real lives. And so this woman comes along with a criminal record pretending to be a nun to me. And she's, got, she's been in jail. She's an ex-con. And so then she leaves me once the case is thrown. And that's when she goes, we see this email surface on my birthday to Mike Lang, Ziet Zion, saying, so Mike saying, move in with me, Becca, for 60 days, question mark, showing Spokane, Washington, Playground of Hollywood, Big L in front of the um, How Howard's Longs, Langs on Howard building, this huge expensive building, and he has a Big L on it, and that's where uh, Becca's supposed to go to leave her son and her husband and for success, and that's the reward, and the last thing we did as a family, her record was expunged, all the warrants and everything that uh -huh. we had not known about. So what you have is, yes, of course, you're going to mock in Matrix 4. I mean, you just told me. I have teams watching this stuff. It's working on the documentary and things. And they'll tell me things, but I didn't know that part. Because the nanotech is very, very important in our story. Very important. In fact, Steven Spielberg uses it specifically to mock yours truly, this author. And it's kind of chilling what he does to do so. Do you have share screen? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Okay, let's go to share screen. I'm going to make sure my thing is ready for you um, at the same time. I think you'll you'll find yeah, there you go. Okay, I'm going to first call this up while I'm talking and get this ready for you. Personal inserts. There we go. Okay, I'm going to call this up now. Let me go to share screen. I think this will blow your mind. So let's go to share screen. Steven Spielberg is one of the main players in this whole thing. I think people start to get the idea. Keep in mind, we just said all my inserted material, right? All my inserted materials there, correct? Mm -hmm. Let's look at what Steven Spielberg does in Minority Report. This is Minority Report, 2002, before my sons are killed. Now we have Captain John Anderton played by Tom Cruise. Captain John Anderton. So we are now taking John Anderson, my dad's name and Scottish clan name, and Spielberg wants to one-up him. Captain, my dad's naval rank is Captain. John, my dad's name. Anderton is Anderson with a T attached to mock Tom. Hmm. So now we have my dad's rank, name, Scottish clan name tweaked in a funny way. And what is Tom Cruise in trouble for with his pre-crime? 
What's going to happen? Why is it going to be shut away? We call it a 302 in our country. Why is he going to be hauled off for expected mass murder or killing? Because his son, Sean, has been murdered. Tom Cruise's son, Sean, in the play, has been murdered. And what, why is this prevalent? Because my son, Sean, is murdered after this film comes out. And I'm hauled off as suspected pre-crime to be put away in the criminally insane forever. I haven't done anything. Okay. So Spielberg is laying out pre-crime himself. Captain John Anderton, my dad's name, rank, and Scottish clan name. Sean, my son's name. Tom Cruise will be put away for pre-crime. Spielberg's thing because of it. Now, keep in mind one more thing. What happens in Saving Private Ryan? This graphics we're going to address in a second. In Saving Private Ryan, what happens? We have Spielberg coming up with fictitious names for a story which centers around some truths. People losing their kids, right? So he comes up with names. What names, AJ, does he come up with in Saving Private Ryan for Tom Hanks to go, uh, that he's going to help this last surviving son, Sean and Daniel? Why did Spielberg pick those? Sean, we already know, my son. Kirk, my second son is Kirk Daniel. Spielberg's not missing a beat. In fact, Spielberg's best friend had said, don't you ever effing come to LA, you're a dead man. That was from Spielberg's best friend, Peter. So he's very much involved in the situation. My brother gets rewards, estranged to me, from Spielberg because his wife, Diane Groves, is married to him. His wife, Diane Groves, is coven, cousin of Ben Burt, Spielberg's top man. Wow. One family tight. And so look at this right here. Spielberg's other entry, this goes with what you said. His other entry, which follows the page with my dad's name, rank, and everything, and saying that Sean's going to die, is molecular nanotechnology. Nano devices triumph, medical breakthrough. It is true. In fact, the Cuban embassy with the crisis in Cuba, that was nanotech. Yeah. What you have is it does an ear thing. I had it inserted at a clinic in the right ear only, and I hear exactly the Indian cricket. It's supposed to give you sleep deprivation so they can put you away. And here you go right here. I want to show you this banner right here. Here is a layout of all the things in those first entries that the author puts in. There's Owen Patterson. He's the other school. That completes the joke. Michelle McGee is the art director. She's Neo's mom. That's the uh, thing he slams on the desk, isn't it? This, when he's That's in the right. interrogation room. Yeah. Very good, AJ. That's the first thing they shoot. If you look at that scene where they cut, just cut that insert in that scene, you don't hear any ambience. You don't see the actors given any uh, direction. Neo's, uh, Keanu Reeves is just looking around. They, they just did that shoot just for that purpose to show this and it's upside down. Hmm. Dad's name, my birthday as it was in those records, my high school, um, you've got July 22nd, corrected later here to this clock right here from Animatrix, right? And keep in mind too, Animatrix is using up the rest of the story as Joel Silver said. They shot two and three and then they did Animatrix at the same time on set, why? Because they were, they remember they had the screenplay in hand and they had the storyboard in the other and anything they didn't use to make up with off that, they stuck in shorts into Animatrix to get credit for the ideas. That's why it's there. Uh, Makes sense? Makes yeah. sense. Okay, let me leave share screen. That's how wild this guess they went too far. They went very too far. Now the accusations from their plants, they use D players to harass you, we know this. 
So they'll say, oh, Tom Oldhouse lisps. I can't understand what he says because he's lisping, really. It's, it's hard to understand. And then they'll say things like, um, it's all, my BS meter says it's all BS. Um, he's a narcissist. Well, that's interesting. I was tested as um, um, extreme um, empathy and gifted genius. And the doctor who just tested that, I went to, to willingly, said she was afraid to make the report. Dr. Ann Gluck, I have a tape of her saying she's afraid to make the report because she was approached, told not to. She said she doesn't want what happened to me to happen to her family. Mm. I told her you're on the winning side. Just write the report. Do what is ethically right. And she did. Now we have that report. Um, Tom, I know it's a really sensitive subject. And I'm, I'm asking really as a father, right. and you mentioned it a few times before. Um, obviously, you said that in the movie, uh, with Tom Cruise, obviously his son Sean was murdered, but then yours was just after. Was mm -hmm. that as a direct action of your what you were doing to try and expose the truth? They basically tried to get to you via your son Sean. Insightful, yes. Pat Robertson with Disney. Pat Robertson is directly connected with Disney. They share sex rings. Believe it or not, Robertson's people go to Disney, and Disney actually gave the planted attorney. Remember the planted wife? Well, her landlord was the planted attorney on Maui. Tony Rankin. And Tony Rankin goes to uh, Disney World for a weekend and meets the opposing counsel, Linda Burrow, his classmate from the University of Berkeley Law at Disney World. So they can have a meeting with Mike Lang and them mm. and Michael Eisner and assess this through. It's worth so much money, I was told. So he comes back from this meeting, say he's had these things to do in California, but he's not uh, licensed to practice law there. He has a suspended license, ineligible to practice. So why are you going to Disney World? Why are you meeting Linda Burroughs of Caldwell, Leslie, and Proctor, your classmate, if nothing's been filed? Why is she telling you she's going to handle the case if we haven't discussed the case publicly? How'd that come up? Oh, you're in Disney World. Wait a minute. I feel like my BS, I feel like you're going to be doing a case. Yes, I am. Oh, small world. I'll be representing the other side. Oh, I didn't even talk about it. It's just for psychic. And so then they come from that. He comes back with a full new entourage of legal team getting rid of his partner from that trip and a remodeled kitchen, remodeled um, boardroom, everything. Warner Brothers set him up nicely. Wow. Yeah. So my sons, they die cinematic deaths and a Mason's death. And now one of the talking points they use is Tom has no feelings about the death of his sons. AJ, I have to tell the story, as you understand. I know you do. I have to mm. tell the story. And I am going to grieve when this is over. As a father, I have a responsibility. Tell the story. Get this truth out. In fact, my last surviving son, I was told by Disney contacts, I have on tape. We know you're concerned for your last son's safety. And you dared to face us down. That's what they said. Mm. That's why you're being treated this way. You dared to face us down. That's why I'm being treated this way? And so... Saying I'm concerned, I know, know I'm concerned for my last son's safety is supposed to make me shut up, that I'm concerned for his safety. But Aiden had said to me, dad, you keep going. Even if something happens to me, you finish this. That's my son. Mm. That's my son. And uh, he's been very, obviously, very supportive and, you know, shouting the story from the rooftops as well. Yes, he has. He made a wonderful video. And what does Sophia Stewart and the rest of the team of the other side say? He doesn't exist now. They're saying that I made it up about this as my son's. <laughs> and that Sean or Aiden never existed. Anybody can look up Sean Oldhouse and see what yeah. happened to him. Anybody can look up Kirk Oldhouse and look at Stars and Stripes, what they said. And that's what's wild is you look at the death. I had a contact tell me, it's because I didn't get it at first. So a contact calls me and tells me, your son died. It was actually out of England the contact came from. Your son died because it was to emulate, simulate uh, X-Files. 
He died by a snowplow. So how's that happen in this country? The FBI works for Hollywood. Hollywood works for the FBI. They make a lot of money off those programs and such and films. So the FBI scratches each other's back. What the FBI does, they actually planted a man named Brian Fitzpatrick, who is a lifelong FBI operative from Hollywood, who suddenly at the right time in 2016 becomes a PA US congressman. Happens to be right in my sister's district. And suddenly my sister changes, is bought completely black tie dinners, trip to London, trip to the Caribbean, trip to New York, CNN, which is owned by Warner Brothers, appearances, spokesperson for Sandy Hook, uh, gets to have her picture held up on the floor of Congress as a national treasure by Brian Fitzpatrick. There's more. She also gets the Jimmy Fallon show. She gets to be announced as the president of school psychologists for Pennsylvania and the top psychologist for Pennsylvania when she's not even licensed. <laughs> Standard. And she's an elementary school counselor, which is the lowest rung, lowest pay, but all these trips, all these dinners, just like the Wachowskis got. And Brian Fitzpatrick uses her to say, my brother's suicidal, my brother's angry and hateful and is gonna kill his son. Now she says, I'm gonna kill them. And on that word, she brags, she has a secret service in her pocket. The FBI uses the local police and off you go to be shut away for life on a 302. I've been hauled off four times in the middle of the night. For what? Writing a piece that reaches the world? And my poor son has endured that. So mm. is his grandma. And then they cut Aiden off. He has no relatives, cut off the entire family because they're enjoying all the rewards and brag about the trips they're going to get. And in fact, my father was just killed. My sister, unfortunately, was, her, was POA. He was begging to go home. He starved her to death, took 40 days and drugged him so he'd shut up and said, get off the phone when he wanted to talk to me. And on the phone, he told me, Tom, I'm proud of you. Get me out of here. I'm proud of you. Um, uh, finish the work, finish the work. And she star drugged him. Next day, I heard him go, Tom, I'm proud. Broke my heart, AJ, broke my heart. Oh, God. And so then she killed him. And what did she tell her constituency? That her dad thanked her for her health care. No, he screamed at her. Wow. Screamed at her. That's the mentality of the people. You'll see their, their feelings are frozen. They are the ones that become narcissists. Hmm. And the sister who's what she's um, on medication, she is by bulimic. She has uh, things for depression, great depression. She curls up on the floor of her office, my mom said, and was screaming and yelling in anger. How's that happen? And called me on when the day Sean died, was murdered, you know, I got a call from her after two years of absence because the playbook says, cut off your target. Don't talk to him, put him on ice, cut him off. That's the FBI. And then they will contact you at the point will have the most impact. Well, the death of the son, that's a good point. Two years later, here's a call from Julia Zarco. What does she say? She gets on the phone and I expect condolences. I'm like, Julia, I'm so glad you called. Here's what she says. I think audiences need to hear this. Tom, and you hear a man in the background whispering. She says, it's students there at the elementary school. Then why are you saying suicide on a call in front of students, elementary students? Good question to be, but she's a celebrity at the school with all the awards and nobody touches her. That's how the system works. So she says, you have to say you're bipolar. What? Angry and suicidal. And you're hearing whispering in the background. Say it back to me or we can't have a relationship. And I said to her, AJ, well, if that's the, you know, we have, we don't have a relationship. You cut off for two years. Then she says, if you don't say it back to me, you're saying I don't matter. As if that's supposed to hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. I said, Julie, if that's the parameters, you don't matter. End of discussion. And then she went off and told everybody, I told her I was suicidal. I'm going to kill. That's what they use to haul me off. Just that word. No trial, 
no rights, you're hauled off. Yeah. And so that's what's going on. If you look at Brian Fitzpatrick, he has all these positions, all at Ways and Means Committees. And Brian Fitzpatrick is the one that was sent to deal with the Ukraine. What did he do? We have the article. He brought down Shokin, who was equivalent to the attorney general in that country, to disable it for the preparation for what was coming to exploit mm. the Ukraine. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, that's and, how they do it. They line them all up. And, and, and uh, it's something I've covered a fair bit. Um, not not as much on the podcast, but like sort of in my Telegram channels and stuff like that about what's going on in the Ukraine. And uh, you mentioned obviously like one of the main sort of foundations to the original script and everything was around the, like the child sex trafficking ring and stuff yes. like that. Yes. Now, not a lot of people know. I mean, well, there is a lot of people that know. It's like it's not, you know, completely top secret, but Ukraine is probably the hotbed of child sex, sex trafficking in, mm-hmm. in Europe, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it the train is. You're right. The train station scene is supposed to warn of what is happening, what's going on. So I was whispering through art. Now the Wachowskis on their fan page said the train station scene, the little girl was just a subplot. Why'd you put it in then? Mm. Train station scenes integral, little girls integral to a satisfying ending at the end. You said about the love story in Atix 4, the reason it's in there is because they stripped out the love stories. In fact, in Assassins, they brought another writer in to finish Assassins. They were so furious about it. That's why Joel Silver gave him my piece called The Science Project, they called it. Hmm. They gave them that. In fact, an article with Wachowski say, we hope to be given the science project is the next thing. So they weren't given the matrix at first, the immortals. It is Joel Silver who submitted it in 94 by solo, sans anyone else, into the story department. That's made clear by Teresa Wayne, the story department head. So there was no Wachowski at that point. That's why Joel Silver auditioned them with Bound to see if they could at least direct. In fact, the Wachowski say in an article, we failed as writers in 95. Well, to pack our bags and leave unless we're given a project to direct. And the other article, as I said, they said they hope to be in the science project. So it's all so clear. And that's why the documentary is going to just spell it out like crazy. It's going to be no questions asked at the end. That's what they're so afraid of. Hmm. But yes, sex trafficking was something I was wanting to blatantly put out there. And it broke my heart that they ripped that out. Hmm. In Assassins, the reason they brought another writer in is because they took out the love story. They took out the sympathetic central character. And I'm reading from what they said at Warner Brothers here, posted and they put too much violence in. That's exactly what they did with my piece. So in Matrix 4, they have to stick a love story in. Hmm. Keep in mind in Matrix 2 and 3, and 3, they said, we're gonna keep the exact ending. And they said, everybody on set was saying, blow it up. They, you can see this in articles that they said, everybody said to blow it up. They even say it on a video on YouTube. So AJ, if they're saying, every, everyone's saying to blow it up, then obviously you don't have a set script, right? Or you're working on something you can muddy. And why are they saying keep the exact sequence of endings when it's my exact sequence of endings? Identical figures at the end, pulse wave coming out, turning north green, little girl coming up and hugging and pointing to the sun. That's my ending. That's my ending. Wow. But they take out the re- they take mm. out the satisfying ending because they take out the relationship of Neo having a daughter who he loses in the beginning and is reunited at the end. They keep the same sequence even to this point here, JJ. You see. The little girl from the train station renewed in Matrix, don't you? The greenie under her and she's renewed to life, right? That's in mine. But in mine, you have a cutaway scene to Neo hearing a voice, daddy, looking. And his little girl's been restored to a little girl again. And so hugging him, pointing the sun, saying, that's the man that pulled me out of the fire. That's the ending that satisfies because everybody thinks that the Smith agent in the original rescued his daughter they ripped it all out they didn't include mm. it and so there's this bittersweet loyalty that complexes things and stimulates the architect on purpose 
And we're left with the question, did the architect do this on purpose? We don't know, we leave it open, draw people in. And so at the end, what you have is uh, the little girl restored to life, that cutaway scene, him coming up to her. Now what the Wachowskis do is the earth greens on the little girl from the train station. Then you have a cutaway scene of the same little girl coming up and hugging the Oracle. It doesn't make any sense. Why the cutaway? In mine, the cutaway is necessary because it's two separate girls. The little girl is named Brittany and the little girl, his girl's named Brittany from the train station. And it's supposed to incidentally be a crowded scene, AJ, where tons of people are pushing their kids forward to hopefully have a better life in the program, but they don't realize they're pushing into child trafficking. And what's interesting is the Wachowskis to save budget cheapened my scene and made it a static family well-dressed. They even ruined that. Why make it a well-dressed Indian family? It's a producer from Hollywood that contacted me and told me this. Do you aware of this, Tom, that they ruined it even further by making a well-dressed Indian family? If, and they said, if it's a well-dressed Indian family, why are they putting her in the program? You, you're well off. Mm. In mine, it's poor, stricken, poverty people pushing it forward into the program. And in the original work too, what you'll find is that the, um, here, right here, look right here for yourselves. Original work, there's the train station scene. There's the crowd. And you'll see silvery liquid mirrors. There's those mirrors, those liquid mirrors are the security devices at the train station. When they're lifting images, AJ, they take it out of context and have Neo just put his hand through it. While they butcher the red pill, blue pill idea and make it Alice in Wonderland with Morpheus offering both pills. The red pill is offered at the interrogation scene. There is no exception, no blue pill. The red pill only, if you don't take it, you and your family die. That's the original work. Mm. On the second page, you have even a man trying to pass through those liquid mirrors and cut in half. And you yeah. have a woman, haggard woman saying, take it, take her, she's your daughter. See? Yeah. To Neo Wise in the program. Makes sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, with the, uh, from more of a futuristic standpoint, um, obviously they show a lot of machines in the, uh, the, the Matrix movies, um, uh, a lot of AI technology and also harvesting of humans. Is that, is that something that you had in your original script? Great question. Now, this is perfect for showing how they lift the images and juvenilely, whatever, I'm gonna make up a word like Shakespeare, put their own bad thumb on it, thumbprint. The field of pods. What do we know? Describe for me, AJ, let's interact this. What's the field of pods in the matrix? See, I didn't really look into it too much when I first ever saw it, but now, now I, when I look at that, I see it as human harvesting. That's what I see. Right, your impression, human harvesting. Mm. What are they used for? It holds up a battery. Yeah. That is the Wachowski slapping the face of every audience member and the author. Doesn't it look kind of juvenile for Morpheus to hold up a battery, a little battery? Mm. Doesn't that seem like a weird thing for him to do? Mm. Because what they're doing is lifting the image and simplifying it in their simple minds. And I'm gonna say it that way because they have no idea what they're talking about. In fact, they say the fans have taught them what these things mean, including six generations of Zion should have been one. Yeah, it's in my screenplay, one generation, because the architect needs untainted humanity to come out at the right time to revert and invert his need. So his need for stimulation. If you have, let's just sidetrack and go back to battery. If you have a architect in the program who's immortal, his mind's gonna lack stimulation. They do it with Christopher Nolan in Star Trek series. And Christopher Nolan is a baddie of mine, mm. a baddie. He's lifted so much of my stuff. He actually failed as a, uh, when his, in his screenwriting school, the professor, professor said you'd never make it. So Universal picks him up. 
and uses them for stealing. And that's what they happened. That's what happened. I'm just going to say it blank, blank out. And wow. so he's been doing Interstellar to rip me off, using the scene that they actually took out with Little Girl and Neo that I loved. He took that out and took Library and Memories and simplified it like the Wachowskis. Actually had books on the shelf. That's, that's stupid. But he took everything and simplified just like the Wachowskis. Yeah, he failed at his writing stuff. And so what happens is he's ripping stuff off for Universal. And where did my work go first? Disney and Universal. So Joel Silver and, and Isaac could have it. Through who? Pat Robertson, giving it to Ned and Judy Nankovich, who got who were adjunct professor and a model manager out to suddenly Disney and Universal head, uh, head story department. Mm. There's some of your trail. So let's go back to the, um, the architect needs, the untainted people of humanity. One generation knows where they are to come out at the right time to see him come back as Christ, the identical figure facing off with the architect looking like Christ because the architect needs stimulation that'll last that doesn't take so much effort. He purges his agents at the end and allows people to see him come back because therefore he'll be stimulated forever with all of humanity worshiping him. Hmm. He can believe the equation, they can believe the equation. Man tries to outwit God, but God shows up and outwits man on the seventh trumpet. That's the way the matrix is supposed to end with a little girl hugging her daddy and pointing to the sun saying, that's the man that pulled me out of the fire, not the Smith agent. And so the audience goes, oh, now I get it. That's totally missing where the audience, when she points to the sun, what does it do for you for an audience, as an audience? She points to the sun. Did you make that? Mm -hmm. What an ending. Voted one of the worst 11 sequels endings of all time. So what happens with the battery? Let's look at the juvenile minding again. And I'm going to say it that way because I am not happy as the writer with sitting here with a copyright that precedes them. Totally all rights taken away and railroaded and seeing my sons murdered, having them murdered and cremated, which is in my screenplay. They're mm. cremated. And so what happens is you have a battery held up. The field of pods in theirs is people used for energy and battery by the machines. AJ, you can hook up cows and get a lot more power without worrying about free will, right? Or generally. So the field of pods actually comes from one of the opening sequences I can hold up where the architect is bringing back his top 100 on what I call secondaries who match them physically in our time. One by one out of a field of pods, these people are brought back spewing blood and fluid, struggling, suffering, coughing, choking. That's the field of pods. The Wachowskis look at that, go, this is so cool. Let's lift this image. What do we do with it? Make it about battery power. A kindergarten can do better. A kindergarten. <laughs> and in regards to the... Uh... Well, I guess all the big investigation trying to get out there, like all the exposing that you're doing now, um, whilst making like a documentary. Um, mm -hmm. is the documentary very much geared around like your whole life, the script, the your sons, where you, this fight you're in right now, and uh, you know, what the actual original script is supposed to be about, and and you know, what what you're trying to actually achieve from it in the first place? Absolutely, the art director and director, um, they decided to go right away, cinematographer. They, they all, what they wanted to do was go with the childhood. Where does the story come from? Let's dig deep. Where's, so we touch upon what my upbringing was like, which is very unique, into Robertson's situation, into the whole theft process and what, this, what the story actually meant. Where the scenes come from, uh, where they germinate, like Shakespeare in Love, they come from somewhere. They, these scenes come from somewhere. Audiences have been robbed from that. The Wachowskis tell them, figure it out for yourself after sticking all those inserts in there too. And there's more to that original graphic too, by the way, I think in layers, so I, I dance with these things. I'm not trying to evade, I'm just trying to tell you there's a lot to each answer in layers. And uh, 
you know, one of those answers too, is that in the column of that thing with the high school and everything I want to touch upon, TA4099 is in that column in bold blacked out letters and, and numbers. The reason that's there, TA4099 was Tom Malthouse was 40 in 1999. It's the Wachowski, Larry taking a stab at me because during the pitch session with Bonaventure, I said, I, I'm also performed. So I never talk about my age because he's asking. I said, well, I never really talk about it. So Larry can't let that go. So Larry puts TA4099 and then he does this, like I just showed you, exact age on the clock. This is from the Animatrix. That's not all. In the detective story, that another short, using up the rest of the stories, the detective story doesn't really give you anything from the stuff, the storyboard they're using up in the original screenplay. That's different. The others are where you land just before the uh, uh, land and your nose bleeds. Yeah, that's in there. The drop belt, that's in there. Hmm. That's in there. But the detective story is strictly there to mock the author. And in it, you have this. You have a antique uh, shop turned into an antique house. And the graphic has T-O-M-P-A-R-K-A-L-T-H-O-U-S-E, Tom Park Althouse. There is no way in hell or in heaven they're going to win this when we have due process. Mm -hmm. They can win it when they supply their own judge and supply their own attorneys and, and throw this as a suspended license and throws it. And that's what you hear all the time to nausea. He lost his case. He lost his case. Well, wait, you see what we do with all the fraud and conspiracy was done to throw that case and with the evidence we have. Do we have tribal issue, AJ, is the question. These things I've shown you, just one thing, that train station scene alone, even without the liquid mirrors, means we can go before a jury. It's a tribal issue. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we've seen over the last two and a half years, especially like how, uh, how dodgy judiciary systems can be, especially here in the UK. It's just like, it's been oh, yeah. an absolute nightmare. And uh, I've spent... Uh, number of hours and I've done a couple of podcasts with uh, attorney Tom Renz who's been you know dealing with a lot of um, all uh, pharmaceutical injuries and stuff like that and especially within the military and stuff mm -hmm. and he you know he was saying just how much of a battle it is to try and get like I guess the right judge and one who's not swayed here and there um, but I mean at least in America you have like your just you know your route to discovery and once it gets to the discovery it's like a whole different ball game isn't it whereas in here in the UK it's very much it was, we don't have that See, we had no discovery hmm. because they made sure we had no discovery. In fact, we have a tape, and get this, this is really precious. I mean, this is amazing. So AJ, Tony Rankin, right? He has a tape recorder and he has my tape recorder. He says, give me mine. They match, they're identical. He takes mine and turns it off for my deposition at these attorneys called the Leslie and Proctor's building. He leaves his on. He's illegal. He knows that as an attorney. He looks illegal, but he tapes everything. Lunch breaks, you know, talking to them privately. Everything's like basically taped. And what do we get out of that tape? He hands the wrong tape recorder back to me. He hands me his. I have everything. <laughs> and on that tape too, you hear this. It's a mute point to ask for any discovery or initial disclosures because uh, we have to tell you, we don't have anything. We don't have no working drafts whatsoever. No working drafts to make the matrix. Why? Because this was in one hand and the storyboard was in the other. Also, what's part of that context that was just locked on tape forever, MP3 distributed everywhere? They're saying they're not gonna give you any initial disclosures, no discovery. So it's fraud. The whole case is fraud. I'm begging for discovery. No, we won't give it to you. And what does Tony Rankin do? In their pocket, rewarded by them. And he says, Okay, then I'll write a letter so we can agree to disagree and we'll not ever, 
ask for the stuff. In fact, I caught him in his office being dictated to a letter to give to me by Warner Brothers attorneys. They were actually dictating to him. And if you look it up, we, we, they're trying to say, you know, they don't want to ever see his contract, which is something all in itself. And you see things like, oh my God, it's so amazing. It's like, he said, he said in an email, I'm going to use in the documentary, that he contacted James Boyd, the submitting attorney, and said that he has no working drafts, Tom, you don't have a case because he has nothing. Oh, really? Nothing. I call James Boyd because he said, don't call him. I call James Boyd in everything, in everything, including an affidavit. I mean, he has everything. And he sends me this. Let me just show you. So one of the things he sends me is complete sworn affidavit, God bless him, of everything that transpired. I'll put that right. Let's see. Where is it? There's Rankin's thing. There's that. There's Anthony Chen. There's that. There's that. I'm going through all these crazy things. Let me see what he got here. Oh. Okay, well, I do have his affidavit here, but I'm going to show you this. This is the original letter he submitted to Warner Brothers. June 25th, 1993. Warner Brothers Lane, 4000. It shows you script sent, story treatment, music. There's the receipt and tracking number to Warner Brothers. And they try to claim they never received anything, right? So it's like, I've got his testimony, notarized everything, every all, the whole file, he had everything. They just, they threw their bought attorney, they didn't want me to know that. And get this, there's a character, one more thing, named um, Frank Ayala. Frank Ayala is best friends with a handoff firm, right? The lady has him on speed dial. This is how tight they do the art of war. Miriam Espinoza is Frank Ayala's best friend. Now let's put the pieces together here. Very small string attaches. Frank Ayala is a court uh, copy machine guy in the records office of the court that'll be thrown. Keep in mind that this very Western Division court in California, the first judge appointed by J uh, Bush was with Robertson's team called the Dream Team for Bush and Newsweek, Gary Klausner. So Gary Klausner is put, why does Robertson say guy, Gary Klausner is put in position in California? To make conservative decisions to counter the liberal ones so he's no longer a second-class citizen, right on his Law and Justice Center page. So what does that mean? Gary Klausner's job is to make decisions not based on evidence, but that Robertson likes to counter liberal decisions. And that's exactly what he does. Lo and behold, we end up with Gary Klausner. And Gary Klausner is going to throw the deal under the direction of Warner Brothers. That's not all. Mary Espinoza is related to who? Mary Espinoza, the paralegal for Rios Associates, classmates of Rankin, who's the handoff firm to throw our case. Lenny Coco, who's the one that was Robertson's connected uh, student, father-in-law, who is best friends with Bonaventura, all lined up ahead of time. And we have Mary Espinoza, who made a fatal mistake. She calls Lenny Coco later in this casework, which isn't a case, it's a kangaroo court like Breaker Moran on steroids. But what you have is we have a tape, a taped call of Miriam Espinoza calling her relative Lenny Coco, who was the one who submitted my work and had me pitch it to Bonaventura. And we have Lenny Coco saying, you're crazy, I never heard of you. And, and Miriam saying, he's already said twice, you're crazy. But when I get on there, he changes on the tape. And you hear it on the tape and the documentary team's using this. It's gonna be amazing. They actually cried and wept, members of the team, because you hear Lenny Coco going, I'm crazy, I never heard of you, Tom, I never heard of you. And I go, I wanna thank you anyway. On behalf of my sons and my children, I wanna thank you that you gave me a break, even if you don't remember. Mm. And that it made a difference in my life and I'm thanking you as a father.
he does this then AJ, get this, on the tape, you're gonna hear it in the documentary, he goes like this. Okay, hold on a second, describe me. I do, middling man, balding, glasses, all that stuff, I describe, we're, not, we're on the phone. He goes, describe my wife, I do. Describe my granddaughter, I do. Describe my, my home, I do. Walk in one level, a duplex, you know, you walk in, that, in the back is the yellow refrigerator with a phone by it where I took the call and his living room table's right in front with a counter, I describe it all. He goes, okay. You were here. My, my wife and my daughter, granddaughter, remember you too. We were just talking about it before your call. You were here. And I want you to write my life story. And the tears are flowing. And it's going to be used by the documentary team. And you hear Miriam Espinoza for Warner Brothers going, you're vindicated, you're vindicated, but not sounding excited. Over and over on the tape, you hear her going, it's a treasure for people to study. Vindicated, you're vindicated, but they never entered the evidence, AJ. They never entered the evidence. They let the MHA go through. The MHA. It's Jack. And so with, um, obviously with the whole case, obviously what would be the best outcome for, for you to win? What, what would be the best outcome? Oh. What, what, what would happen? Or what would we expect what's to happen? What's gonna happen? I will predict what's gonna happen. We will have due process in a venue not of their choosing. Keep in mind, Rankin was not licensed to practice law. He was ineligible. We've got the sheets here. So he's ineligible to practice law. And um, I don't know if I have it right in front of me here, but yes, I have that sheet. So if he's ineligible to practice law, what is he doing? Here he's right here. Look at it. I've got it. Let's just show this. Tony Rankin, Maui, bar, bar page from the Bar Association. Let's scroll down. Okay, here we go. What do you read? Not eligible to practice law. Since. Hold on. Suspended since 30th of July, 1990. And this is happening in when? 2010, 2012. Wow. That's a long time to forget he had a suspended license. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, right? So what's going to happen is this, and I'll predict it right out. Documentary is made. They've had so many people calling them, telling them to stop. Like they're trying to stop us so bad. They paid D players to do this. Documentary team is gone. Not only this, but the documentary team is countering their statements. So they're saying, it's all BS. My BS meters. Well, why is the documentary team doing a pro bono? Why are they doing it for free? Why are they saying they're so moved about the evidence? They're going to make all this work and do this documentary so this can change a world because of what we have. That doesn't sound like it's BS. Mm. And after the documentary, with all these interviews such as you're doing, God bless you guys, this is what's killing them. It's killing them. They're going nuts. They're, you can imagine them shredding papers like getting out of Berlin and just throwing furniture around the boardroom. They are losing it. And why did Mike Lang reveal uh, himself from The Honeypot Wife? I asked the contact, well, I'm, you know, taping. Why did Mike Lang go for my wife? Why do you do that? Why do you call her in after all this was set up? She goes, his ego, his ego. So I go, you mean you just, he just made a trail back to Disney and Michael Eisner we would never have known about because he had an ego. He wanted to be better than another, the author's wife by taking her to bed. Take her. I'll find a real woman and we'll be successful together and celebrate with my son. So that's where we are is this documentary. Educate the court of public opinion. That's what I was told. Then judges aren't gonna do what they did. Get a fair venue based on fraud. No statute of limitations. No statute of limitations on this kind of fraud or conspiracy. The other attorneys for the other side are actually afraid of prison. They actually made that clear. They slipped and let me know. They know. Is that supposed to stop me? No. This needs to be made right, especially in memory of my dead sons, which the other side mocks all the time. So. Fair venue, no statutes. You go to court, you show all the fraud. Is there a tribal issue? That's right. You get before a jury. When they see this, it's going to blow them away. Those inserts and everything else. 
and all the players involved, you're gonna see people jumping out of windows, very mm -hmm. high level. Steelberg might just become Deadberg on his own hand, nobody else's, his own. And I'm telling you this because they have already started. Mm. There's been these rash of suicides, no longer those that are actually the good people, but the bad ones are producers jumping out of windows. Yeah. We're doing interviews, they're, they're getting freaked out because Mike Lang made a big mistake. So watch what happens to Mike Lang. You don't talk about Fight Club. Well, he talked about Disney and he led us right back to Michael Eisner. And that has been the big opening. So there will be a change in this world. You're gonna see a golden age in film. I'll just predict it right now because many authors have come to me that have been ripped off, many. And what did Frank Ayala brag about from the court? And it's on tape that it was Avatar that was ripped off just like me, that their attorneys were in bragging that they had Rankin in their pocket, that I was worth 500 million at the time, that I was being screwed, they said, and now I don't know how much I'm being screwed. This is Warner Bros. attorneys, Linda Burrow and the team bragging in the court. So that's gonna be quite the material. He has your back up against the wall. You have to go to Rios Associates, Rios Associates. So what Frank Ayala, and I'm gonna give you the capper in a second here. Frank Ayala is pointing me to Rios and Associates. And here's the capper. Who endorsed Frank Ayala on his LinkedIn for litigation support? Take a wild guess. Caldwell, Leslie, and Proctor. Linda Burrow, Warner Brothers firm. Wow. Gets better. Who provided my estranged daughter, little girl in the story? I was trying to unite family. Who sent in 2014 when the case is being thrown, a person who never worked in his life, part of the Mexican mafia, to be her controller and then her husband? Are you ready for this? Ralph Rios and Associates, who Miriam Espinosa works for, Ralph Rios Associates is cl classmates with Linda Burrow and Rankin, Tony Rankin, and they had it all set, Art of War beforehand. And Miriam Espinosa related to Lenny Coco, we see the connections. We have Rios Associates from Texas and Pasadena, and he has a relative that ends up doing it. Ralph Rios has Jacob Rios that marries my daughter. Mike Lang of Disney is the one that has sex with my ex-wife to be better than the writer. Way to go, Mike Lang. Take her, because you just revealed the whole fight club. You just revealed everybody from the FBI to Disney. And that is game over. And thanks God, I survived and my son survived. And the reason my son survived is they thought they can use him against me and say, if you dare talk, your son's gonna die. Here I am talking because my son said, go for it. And now watch it when you can. A father's journey done by my son. It is scaring the trash out of the opposition now from Eisner to Warner Brothers to Sony you name it to the FBI, because that capsulizes in two minutes everything on redpillrising.org. It capsulizes everything from the mouth of a child, from the vision of a child who did all the work himself and then showed it to me. And what is the opposition saying now? He's not alive. He never existed. Your son's never existed. That's what they're throwing now, even on comments. And that Aiden didn't make it. Well, watch what Aiden made. And let's give him credit too, because you see capsulized a young man's vision of what he went through. He was born to a honeypot wife who had, his, had been a prostitute. We didn't know. And he holds his head high, AJ. He is an honor student taking advanced placement classes for college as a youngest member of the 10th grade. And you get 12th grade. He is soccer, piano, you name it, a visionary. He comes up with screenplay ideas that blow me away. He comes up with music. This is a gem for our time. And isn't it something encouraging to other families out there? What was he born out of? 
a Disney snow job, a Disney con, long con, and here's a treasure for Earth. It's unbelievable just there. You, know, you mentioned Disney several times throughout this, um, throughout this episode. And obviously we're seeing it come to light quite a lot now, aren't we? Um, just the sheer extent of what they go to to hide sort of sexual references and messaging in so many of their movies. Uh, obviously now it's becoming very apparent, obviously the connection between them and Epstein Island and the submarine uh, trips would take lots of children there. Uh, obviously, you know, many members of the corporation all over the, the flight logs um, and their connections with so many Hollywood um, actors and actresses that, that you and know keep that... in mind too aj they take them to their own parks they take them to their own parks and the sex activities ha happen there like with uh sova from robertson's group who's now a fall balls group liberty university yeah. they go down there on trips paid by disney yeah covered by disney for yeah, these sex and... yeah yeah and it's very much and like it's starting to come out with quite you know and then you get a lot of people who work at the park as well aren't they being arrested for um you know why they were do you know why they were? Because I did an interview. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to say it all ties together. I had been contacted by, I was, it was a tape. I have a tape of Bob Iger's top number one man in his office saying to me, Bob Iger's going to call you tomorrow. He wants to talk about something, a deal maybe. He, it's on tape. Wow. What happens the next day? Well, that night I do an interview and I announce that Bob Iger is going to be calling and this is great, but that Disney has a sex ring and hopefully they'll come clear. What happened to Bob Iger the next day, AJ? He was fired without a replacement. Mm. And what also happened in the paper? The very sex thing you're talking about. what they do? They wanted, for them to do a PR move like that, that's a nightmare for them. To admit they had sexual activities all over their parks by their employees. But the reason they did it, AJ, is to take pressure off the upper and middle management. They're going, oh, whoa, wait a minute. You, Mike Lang, or sorry, um, um, What's his name? I just forgot his name. The guy from Bob Iger. Bob Iger's gonna talk to Tom Althaus. Okay, that's, you can imagine them getting so upset, board furniture flying around. What are you doing? That's gonna expose the sex rings, Bob. Bob's fired. Run an article, quick cover article paper. They do mm. immediately. The lower echelon is if it's just the lower echelon doing it. No, the lower echelon does it because the upper and middle do it. The upper and middle needed a smoke screen. Nothing else to see here. That's why they ran a PR nightmare they would never do ever, because Tom Althaus had an art, had an interview with someone like yourself that had the gracious and the kindness to put me on the air and share these things. Otherwise, you're not supposed to know these things. You're supposed to get bottom news, not the actual news they're concerned about. Hmm. They don't want the top being revealed. They want bottom being revealed. 